Welcome to the I Lead Podcast, a podcast dedicated to developing you into the leader that can lead in any room. Your host and guide is Dr. G. Vincent Dudley Sr. Dr. Dudley is a leader of leaders. He has his Ph.D. in organizational leadership. He earned his Doctor of Ministry with a focus on entrepreneurship and church planting. He is a John Maxwell Associate Trainer and an Adjunct Professor for Strategic Leadership at North Central University. Dr. Dudley retired from the Air Force as a lieutenant colonel. He has started several businesses, but his greatest achievement is that of founding senior pastor of New Life, one of the fastest-growing churches in the St. Louis metropolitan area. Let's join Dr. Dudley and co-host Jeffrey II for another instructional, inspirational, and informative session. Today, I lead podcast listeners. You know what? I have the awesome privilege of interviewing my play granddaughter's mother. That's how I'm going to introduce her. Well, what you have and the accolades that are there for our I Lead um, podcast listeners, let me just talk a little bit about uh, Leslie's accolades and all of those wonderful things. And then we're going to get straight into What does it mean to be a leader in this nonprofit space, Mm -hmm. in particular, an African-American woman? But let me just share a little bit about her. I mean, she she comes from the STL. Mm -hmm. What I mean, you don't need much more than that uh, from St. Louis and uh, has graduated from Hampton University with English uh, B.A. in English. That means she speaks better than me. And uh, she has her master's in international business affairs uh, from St. Louis University. Uh, She has been in senior leadership uh, in Girl Scouts, both in St. Louis as well as in Atlanta. Uh, She is now the CEO of what we're talking about, Rung for Women, a nonprofit that advocates for women in so many areas. And we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before then, she was also CEO for, and I want to get this right, I oftentimes don't get it right, for Annie Malone Children's and Foster Service Center. That's mm-hmm. right here in the St. Louis metropolitan area as well. So nonprofits is her space. Uh, that's where she has done leadership. And we're going to talk about what it means to be in that whole space of leadership. Uh, but we are so thankful and grateful that she is a part of our time together today. So welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here and um, just excited to have this conversation. I think we don't talk about leadership and specifically around gender issues enough. And so I am happy to have this platform to be able to discuss issues that are near and dear to my heart and um, just look forward to the conversation. So let's jump right in. What is the most difficult thing in senior leadership for a woman in a nonprofit space? Mm -hmm. So I I sort of alluded to this a little bit, Bishop, in our open, but I I say, you know, leading from a place of empathy, um, leading from a place of results, and uh, really leading from a place of where you put people first, I think... um, has been sort of my leadership philosophy. 
Um, you know, as I said, the validation for me comes from hearing my 12-year-old daughter who sees this work in real time. You know, she has been with me on journeys through my work at Annie Malone and um, by far the most uh, emotionally challenging role I've ever had working with kids who are abused and neglected and coming in to the child welfare system and then also having your own family and your own children um, that that work was really, really hard. Um, but my daughter, Marley, has been on that journey with me. And so when she says that I want to be like you when I grow up, um, it's validation of the, the work that we get to do every day in service of women. So Rung for Women is a career accelerator for women. We really focus on getting women into careers where women have historically been underrepresented, careers that don't necessarily require a bachelor's degree, but have growth potential. And so those middle skill jobs in manufacturing and technology, uh, you know, jobs that used to be considered man's work, construction, trades, uh, those are the career paths that we're really focused on. But when I think about, you know, leadership and how I lead, I really put people first. I, I believe in giving people the autonomy to do their jobs. I set a high standard for myself and, and others, and I hold people accountable. I don't micromanage them. I don't look over their shoulder, but um, we all know what the goals are, and we work towards achieving them together. Uh, there are times when I have to roll up my sleeves and, and do the work, too, and do it side by side with a team of people who come to this mission-based business every day because they believe in the work that we're doing, but we're also an enterprise. And so, you know, while we don't generate revenue necessarily, um, we are an enterprise. You know, we're a five million dollar organization. Um, we have almost 40 employees. Um, so we would be similarly sized to a, you know, small, small business. Um, but, you know, we have the same people challenges as any other industry. And so I am constantly trying to ensure that we create a culture that is inclusive, that gives people opportunity for growth, and uh, most importantly, creates a space where people can speak up and have their voice uh, contribute to the growth of the organization. And so it starts with me, right? It starts with me being accountable, res personally responsible, um, accepting success, but also accepting failure and promoting mm -hmm. failure. One, one thing I talk a lot about with our team is failure. Like fail fast. And I, I want people to fail because that's the only way you learn. And so, you know, we are in a learning environment and failure is is foundational to what we do. Um, I want folks to know that they can come to this space and learn and grow and fail and succeed, you know, all in the same breath, if possible. John Maxwell yeah. said that uh, uh, failure is falling forward. Yes, absolutely. If you look at it from a physical point of view, uh, it is near impossible to fall to fall and not get up mm -hmm. in a space that were behind you. Mm -hmm. When you fall, you literally get up in an advanced place from where you fell. Correct. Yes. And so, because uh, so often you don't hear of people falling back. Exactly. You hear of them fall. I mean, there are cases, but they we typically fall forward. And exactly. That, to me, that is such a great analogy for failure, right? Just fail forward. 
Um, and you're going to learn something as part of that failure. And that something that you learn is going to tra- change the trajectory of where you're going, hopefully. So, um, yes, I, I, I have failed a lot. And so I, I believe in failure. The, the, uh, the literature says, uh, research says that uh, when we speak of uh, failure, that one will make 773,618 uh, decisions in your lifetime. Mm. 143,262 will be bad decisions mm. when we talk about failure. Can uh, you think of and tell our audience and listeners what was the worst decision you've made with your mm. leadership and mm. the best decision you made? Speaking of failure. I would say the worst decision. Unfortunately, all of my decisions, I would say that they they sort of um, align with people, right? So sometimes you make a decision on a, a personnel decision, you place people, and they are just in the wrong seat, right? And um, that causes, uh, you know, when the, when you don't have the right people in the right seat, that ca- that causes disruption, right? And so navigating through disruption when you have made the the wrong people decision um, can be really complex, right? Because you're, you're talking about someone else's livelihood, first and foremost, you, it was a decision you made and, you know, people show up sometimes as their representative in interviews and then when they get in the door, you're like, what happened to, and so I would say, you know, the the decisions that have had the greatest, then go to iLeadAcademy.net. And get Sometimes because I saw something in like someone this. that they didn't see in themselves and we just could not translate it once they got in the door. Um, other times it was like not having the, the right um, position description. The attributes were incorrect. And so the match, therefore, w- was incorrect. So I would say for me that the biggest decisions have been around selecting the wrong people for that particular opportunity or that point in time. But the best decisions have also been people decisions. Mm. So when you get a winning, when when you have assembled a winning team um, and the the joy and the uh, responsibility and accountability that 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 feeling that comes with like, I know these people are going to win and we're going to win together. There's no other feeling. I, I I would imagine, I know you're a big sports fan, but Bishop, but like when, when sports teams, you know, when Michael J- Jordan and Scottie Pippen, when that team was assembled and they were winning championships, like that, that feeling is amazing. Cause you know that you have people who are around you who have the same goal in mind, um, have the, the, a similar work ethic and they want to win. And so um, people, I think, are, are our most important commodity. And, you know, those people decisions really do um, drive success. And so I would say for me, those, those winning decisions and those, you know, decisions that caused me to fail all were obvious, are all mostly um, around, you know, either good people decisions or bad people decisions. The research also says you're going to meet at least 80,000 people in your lifetime. Mm. 
And so that's 80,000 opportunities to make a good decision or a bad decision. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of just meeting and building relationships of not necessarily hiring people, mm-hmm. um, when it comes down to people, uh, because that's what leadership is all about. Um, mm-hmm. You, if you don't have people, then you're just taking a walk. You're not leading. There's okay. nobody behind. Or you. you're a solopreneur, right? And you're, yeah. you're leading yourself. <laughs> yeah, and and that is important. Yes. Uh, and um, how then? Uh, which brings me to this question that I was going to ask you: How do you develop people? Yeah. So you know, I it isn't is that's a really great question. And I will say that I often, you know, when I have transitioned from organizations, um, one of my own personal sort of exit strategies is I always ask the people that have worked for me if they would work for me again, right? And so, so oftentimes when you're doing exit interviews, you know, they you ask, are you eligible to? Are you eligible for rehire? And so I I asked the folks that I've had the opportunity to lead, like, am I eligible for rehire with you? Um, Because I want to make sure that I am there to to develop people. And if they don't feel like I have uh, served them well, I want to know that. I mean, that's the only way I get better. So you know, one thing I always ask is, am I eligible for rehiring your mind? You know, wow. if you had the opportunity to work together again, would you hire me? Um, even as your boss, would you hire me? And um, there have been times when people said no. And that is that is hard to hear. But I also said, think it, it gave me um, great evidence of things to improve upon. So um, I believe in giving, in terms of how I develop people, I believe in giving people the autonomy to do their jobs, setting a high standard for myself and others, being fairly clear on goals and what success looks like, and then allowing them to succeed and fail. And we do that together. Um, certainly, you know, when there's need, need for, you know, corrective behavior, you know, those tough conversations. I I feel like my gift, uh, my leadership, one of my leadership gifts is connecting people, but also being able to have really tough conversations in a gentle way. Um, I I have somehow figured out how to master that. um, And I've gotten that feedback multiple times from folks who came to me and we knew we had to have a performance conversation and I knew that it was going to be hard for them to handle the feedback, but they said multiple times, like, I was able to receive it because of how you delivered it. You know, I thrive in change. I thrive in ambiguity, but not not everyone thrives in, in those types of environments. So you also have to be able to understand, like, how people are motivated and meet them where they are. This is only a snippet of what you can get when it comes down to learning how to lead, learning how to lead yourself, others, build teams, solve problems. In fact, you can register for the courses and get certified in how to lead. Wow, that that's and that's quite um, a load that you have to carry. Five million 
dollar budget, annual budget, forty mm-hmm. employees, and having to have difficult conversations, mm-hmm. especially as a woman, because we typically uh, want to um, characterize a woman for not being able to have that as mm-hmm. as uh, whether it's an African American woman, oh she went sister girl on me, oh yeah, <laughs> or if, if you say uh, a Caucasian woman, majority culture woman. Yeah. Oh, you know, she she uh, fragile and, and tears. Yeah. Fragile and tears. Or uh, she got um, uh, hysterical, mm-hmm. you know, any mm-hmm. of those things that we like to try to um, capitalize and uh, categorize women in, in that work uh, space. Yeah, and I, I will say too, Bishop, let me just add, uh-huh. it, it is it is not always race either, right? Like mm-hmm. women are just emotional. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes race has a way of um has a way of defining like how we should show up. But I find that in leading women, uh, 99% of our team is women. Um, and in leading women, you see it all. And, and, you know, sometimes I have uh, a, a black colleague who, female colleague who is hysterical and crying and all the things that, you know, we sort of stereotype as other women to do. So I, I, I see it all, um, especially in an environment that is predominantly women. How do you deal with this sense of I am a woman, I am leading women? Uh, our organization is about pushing women into their destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, um, the emotions of the culture, how do you deal with that as a senior leader? You know, I think you have to have some empathy, right? You have to, especially post-COVID, you know, we're still in a bit of a post-COVID sort of culture and environment. And so, you know, I think you have to meet people where they are, recognize that um, not everyone's having a good day every day, um, and have enough trust uh, within the organization where people can be authentic and have authentic conversations. And so um, that that is how I try to show up. I try to model that behavior. Um, trust is really, really important to me. Um, and I know that not everyone, you know, it's, it's still a working relationship and not everyone believes it because there's so much trauma. People bring so much trauma and baggage from, from other, from bad cultures into good cultures. And so I, I really just try to be myself, Bishop. I try to, um, be honest and authentic. Um, I, I cry. Um, and so, you know, our, our team has seen me probably on my best days and my worst days. And I wear those emotions um, because I'm human just like they are. And I feel like sometimes as a as a leader, as a female leader, um, you know, you're 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 expected and men too, you're expected to sort of sit high and look low. Um, and you're expected to sort of be this persona of perfection. And um, that's just not who I am. Like, I, I believe in being honest with folks. I am the first to admit when 
I've made a mistake. I own my mistakes. Um, I will stand in front of our team and cry when I'm having a bad day. I'm a crier in general. So when we're celebrating success, um, there are always tears of joy. So, you know, I think that's a difference between men when you talk about gender and leadership. You know, you're likely not to see that um, in a male-dominated leadership role. Um, I mean, I think and women have been conditioned, you know, when you sit in a C-suite or you lead an organization, women have been conditioned to be hard and emotionless. And that's just not who I am. Um, And so authenticity is important to me. And I I just don't I have to show up as who I am. And that's what I do. Authentic leadership is uh, extremely important. because then uh, therein lies consistency. Um, you do not have to remember somebody else's lines mm. when you're authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are who you are. And there's no kind of stepping from that. Yeah. Let's continue yeah. to talk about this whole piece about um, development. You, you said when you have exited um, positions, you've asked them, would they rehire you? Beyond that, beyond that moment, what do you do to develop yourself? To yeah, yeah, I use this example all the time. It's something that I've been doing for at least the past 10 years in my career. And is, is I every year, every two years, I identify my own personal board of directors. So nonprofits, have uh, boards of directors who really are the organization's accountability partner. They um, evaluate the president or CEO, just like any board in any company. And so about 10 years ago, maybe a little longer, one of my mentors um, talked to me about like having accountability partners in my own journey. Um, and what would that look like? And you know, she and I said, oh, um, you know, what if what if you had your own personal board of directors, you know, three to four people who are going to just hold you accountable, um, not say yes to all of your, you know, good or bad decisions, but mm-hmm. really help you navigate life. And um, those, you know, little things and big things that come up where you just sometimes need a sounding board mm-hmm. uh, to help you think through. Uh, you know, the challenges at hand. And so I adopted this concept, like I said, at least 10 years ago, maybe even a little longer, and have been doing it. So every year, you know, I sit down in February, not January, I allow myself a little time to get acclimated to the new year. I sit down and I establish my goals for the year. And I call my board of directors and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking for this year. Will you hold me accountable? Can I call you when I'm stuck? Uh, can Can I call you to celebrate successes? Um, can I call you to have those tough conversations that I can't have with myself? And my friends are sometimes not the the best people to to have those discussions with. And so every couple of years, I change the members depending on what my goals are. Um, and that that has been part of my leadership journey and, and holding myself accountable. Obviously, there's the work that I do every day 
and having a board that I report to who holds me accountable for the performance of the organization. But I needed like, how do I grow personally? And um, who's holding me accountable to the personal goals that I set that obviously impact you know, the work that I get to do every day. And so um, that that's kind of what I do. Um, and I've introduced that concept to other people. And, you know, um, I sit on boards of directors of, of colleagues and friends who um, have adopted the, the idea. And so um, it works for me. Well, that is probably one of the most innovative ways of self-leadership that I have heard. Mm-hmm. because this is the overlooked area of leadership. We always think in terms of how can I grow my skill set? How mm-hmm. can I develop myself with respect to getting uh, and expanding my influence and getting people to follow me? Rarely do we look at how do I lead myself? Mm-hmm. And what you just brought up is just, uh, man, that, that's outstanding. I'm going to uh, look at doing that for my own self. because. Yeah. Such a, it's a wonderful uh, insight of that. But I want to, before we move from uh, development, do you do a quarterly piece of development with the 40 staff members that you have? Oh, yeah. we So we use um, the GROW coaching model here. And so, um, you know, really GROW is embedded in our culture. And I'm going to grab... It um, really forces us to uh, set goals, look at the reality, look at our options and what are our ways forward. And so we use that nomenclature in all of our weekly staff meetings. Um, We also talk a lot about where we stuck and how do we get unstuck. Um, You know, that, that to me is a way to really foster the team dynamic is like if I have an area where I'm stuck, and I know that, you know, Bishop can help me get unstuck. I'm having that conversation. I'm calling out that that area where I'm stuck in, in the weekly group meeting. And so, you know, someone might say, oh, you know what? I have an idea on how you can solve that. And so we're, we're doing that, um, you know, weekly related to problems or challenges in our organization. But um, individuals are doing it with their supervisors on a quarterly basis. They're coming up with their grow coaching plan at the beginning of the year. And we do um, monthly in-service meetings and once a quarter in those in-service meetings, full day, we all sit down with supervisors and go through um, our grow coaching plan. And so we're looking at in real time, all on the same day, because we ran into this problem where we're like, okay, you know, everyone needs to be looking at grow coaching during this week and people weren't doing it. And so I'm like, OK, we're going to dedicate a day where everyone does it at the same time. And then we have it done. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that everyone is getting the coaching that we have committed to and um, that we're we're all kind of rowing in the same direction. And so it works for us. We're also a small organization, and so, um, you know, we can have those grow-on-the-go coaching conversations in real time. Um, I see people in the hallway talking about, you know, grow coaching and those grow goals and having, you know, quick touch bases, and I can hear them using the grow language. So um, it works for our organization. 
Great, great, great. I'd love more information about that, uh, the grow piece. Yeah, it's great. For uh, the church, because it's all about the whole uh, nonprofit piece. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you talked about how you're not perfect, though Marley thinks that you are. Um, Sometimes. <laughs> when she gets her way, I'm perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you say no, then, then yeah, not, so not, yeah, not so much. Who has helped you and who has uh, put roadblocks in your way? You don't have to call names, yeah. but um, positions or persons over yeah. your leadership journey. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, Bishop, I hope I put you high on that list. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I absolutely do. At, at a time when you probably didn't even realize how much impact you were having on me. Um, so I'm forever grateful for um, God's timing in that way. Um, I would say my faith um, and, and is very integral to how I lead and um you know, I'm not shy about, you know, my faith and my commitment to faith. Um, I, I've had great mentors. So my very first boss um, out of college was Tony Williams. He happened to be the mayor of Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. um, he saw something in me that I, I, I didn't even know I had. And, and he gave me access to opportunities in ways that um, really propelled my career. And so... Um, Tony Williams is is one who has really helped to to mold my leadership style. Um, to like, I just in watching him and model and trying to model some of the the behaviors that I saw in his leadership journey, um, really were pretty formative for me. Another mentor, Marie Johns, uh, powerhouse uh, female leader and executive, and took time to like pour into little old me. I would say roadblocks um, for me has often been mindset and uh, folks who just see the glasses half empty. So that, that, you know, there are lots of roadblocks in the way. Um, I've had board members in previous organizations who just, um, you know, for whatever reason, wanted to be difficult. And so, you know, it was always hard to navigate. We know we have a common interest here, um, but we just want to get to the end result in a different way. And you're not right. And I'm not wrong. And you're not wrong. And I'm not right. But how do we, we figure out how we get there together? So I would say, you know, overall, you're always going to have folks who get in the way of, of progress and you just have to learn to, to work around those roadblocks. You know, we see them on the highway all the time and you veer left, you veer right, you know, you go around it, whatever it takes to achieve the goal. Yeah, it's that person that's in the left lane. Yeah. Uh, with their left uh, signal light blinking the whole way. Yeah. And they will not move. They won't move. They will, <laughs> they will not they move. Why, Why are you out here stopping yeah. progress? But you know what? Sometimes they, they cause you to pause, right? And and reevaluate your direction. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to run into a wreck. Right. They either ignite frustration. 
or they're like, okay, let me just take a moment to pause because is it really that serious? I'm still going to get to where I need to go. Um, it might just take me a little longer, but um, we're going we're gonna to work through this. We're going to work through this. We are gonna well, work you know, uh, Leslie, we're, we're almost to the end um, of our time together. Uh, and one of the things that um, I'd like, uh, if you would, if you could share with our iLead listeners, uh, in particular, the women who desire to, to lead and to lead well. Mm-hmm. What would be the nugget, the gem, the um, the uh, the rocket that you would say? And mm-hmm. and I know it's a and I know it's not a realistic question, but please do the best you can. The one thing that you would say, look, young lady, look, um, this is what you do to get to where I am. Uh, surround yourself with good people. Okay. Um, so whether it's those personal accountability partners, your your team of of like minded, uh, goal oriented people who you work with, you know, find find the right folks um, who will uh, hold you accountable, but also um, have a similar interest. And then I think. The other thing is just to be authentic, right? Don't try to be something that you're not because people can see through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that authenticity, I think, is really underrated. Um, and so I, I would say those would be the two most important nuggets that I would leave behind is, you know, show up as your full self and be authentic. I know sometimes, you know, for women, especially in male dominated, fields that's harder to do um but i I really encourage folks to show up show up as who they are and then find your right people because you know oftentimes in when we're younger in our careers we tend to align with folks who don't always have our best interest um because you know we're we're trying to create friendships or this or that uh, you know, work is for work and and find those folks who want to be high performers and have high standards. Um, you might not necessarily be friends with them outside of work, but, you know, get your get yourself aligned with the right positive people mm-hmm. in your work culture. And, and that will propel your career um, because the high performers are the ones that get noticed. All the time, uh, all the time. And mm-hmm. One of the things that I uh, hear you saying is that it's really difficult for women. It is to be yourself because society, the culture, is always pressuring more, more so women, a little more now men, but society is always pressuring women. Mm-hmm. This model on front of where well, we don't buy magazines anymore, mm-hmm. but, but the model on the perfect IG post. Yes. On the perfect Facebook post, on the yes. perfect clip on mm-hmm. uh, TikTok. Yep. We're, we're, and that's, and so that's the model, if you will. Yeah. And so much of that is just not real, right? <laughs> no, because because you don't even need uh, 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 on our post now that made it such that you don't need uh, to brush paint. You don't need 
uh, to do any of the changes on the pictures. Now you can just change the filters and be something. Yeah, yeah that. Uh, who does that serve? Right. I mean, because you 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 still have to you know once you're in real life, not in social media life, but in real life, you know, people are going to see who you are and and what value you add. Um, outside of of social media, and so you know, I um, yeah, that alignment and that authenticity. Uh, really sort of permeates, I think, um, in person more so, right? But, you know, you know good people and you know real people and you know, mm-hmm. you, you can you can feel authenticity. And so um, even in this world where so much of, you know, where we get our information and news is, you know, not always factual, um, when you get to connect with people in a real meaningful way, that authenticity comes through. Yeah, none of us are our social media posts. No, <laughs> we hope not, right? Uh, you know, there's there's a growing, I think, trend where people really want to live in this like fantasy world, and um, you know, to each his own. It, yeah, it yeah. has it has its place, but. Yeah, you can't lead in that world. How you show up is really what matters. Well, um, Leslie, we're here at the end, and you have to answer the question that every I Lead uh, podcast um, uh, interviewee has to answer, from the governor to the senator to the congressman to the mayor. Oh, Lord. Uh, and now to you. And okay. that is, how do you lead in any room you find yourself in? I feel like a broken record, Bishop, but I mean, I only know how to be me. <laughs> be me. And so, um, I, you know, that that question around, would you rehire me to be your boss? Like I take that that those responses really seriously. I take, you know, my daughter saying I want to be like you when I grow up that because she sees a really a positive model. Those things are important to me. So I only know how to be me. And that's how that's how I lead. That's how I show up. All right. Wow. Any last words? Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> and you're welcome. I appreciate you. Um, this this is such an important conversation, and I admire you for for talking about it. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, I have a uh, I, I credit um, my sensitivity to uh, women in leadership and leadership as a whole is my time in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, Though it has its challenges, the military is a very much a rank-driven situation, and it is not uh, the gender or the race. Sometimes it is, but less so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the rank. Yes. And having worked for women, um, it didn't. I didn't think twice about here at the church with a staff of twenty-plus people to put strong women around me. My yeah. assistant often thinks that she knows more than me. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but you want you want people who are smart. Absolutely. <laughs> and all of the and they are all around me and I'm I'm very comfortable with that. Nice. It's, yeah. It's well, very, I very mean that's a that's a testament to your leadership. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know all of them. Picking the right people to surround yourself with, absolutely, including strong women, and you know, is is necessary in in all organizations. So. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you so very much. A hug and kiss, my play yes. granddaughter. And we will absolutely see you soon. All right. Okay. Um, thanks so much for being on I Lead Podcast. After listening to today's podcast, I'm sure you're ready to be a leader in any room. To learn more about how to become the leader you are called to be, enroll today in iLeadAcademy.net. Until next time, remember, with iLead, you can be the leader in any room.